In 2020, the senior population of people over 65 in this country was about 56 million. By 2030, all the baby boomer generations will be 65 or older. The growth from the larger families of yesteryear to them being seniors now is incredible. By 2030, it's going to be an additional 16.6 million on top of the 56 million. By 2040, it's going to be up to 80 million seniors in this country. That's a complete shift of our dynamic of the population today. And those folks are going to need services. everyone, and thanks again for tuning in to this week's edition of the Franchising 101 podcast. I am Tim Parmeter, founder and CEO of FranCoach and your podcast host. Uh, today, uh, as we, we talked about last month, uh, we are going to spotlight one specific industry every month this year to try to give you an overview of what it's all about, the different opportunities, uh, what, what are some of the advantages, things to look for, how it might be a good fit for you or not. Again, anybody ever tells you that there is one best franchise or one best or hottest industry out there, I promise you folks, they either don't know what they're talking about or they are lying to you, right? Um, We're trying to sell you something. So don't buy it. But there are some amazing things out there. We want to help educate you on that. That's what we're going to do today. Um, And joining us, we're going to talk about senior, the senior care, senior services space. So joining us today is, I don't know, he's got some fancy title these days, executive vice president, poobah, something uh, with senior helpers, our dear friend, and uh, like, I don't know, like fourth or fifth time on the show, Mr. Rob Cantrell. Rob, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tim. It's great to be here joining you on the podcast today. Uh, You you, you don't have to have any titles. You can just call me Rob. Uh, (laughs) My wife has other names for me, too, but um, I'm sure uh, we can keep those off here today. Those are those are more accurate, but this is a family show. So we'll we'll keep it. uh, Exactly. We'll We'll keep it clean. (laughs) We will indeed. So thanks for uh, joining us today. And and, uh, you've been in the senior care space for a long, long time now. Um, So we really want to talk about and I know I I need, you know, you are all about senior helpers and how amazing of a brand it is. And it certainly is. We're going to try to uh, like, I'll, 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 I'll mute you or edit out every time you start pitching senior helpers. <laughs> I'll try to keep it to a minimum. Um, I have a lot so, of good things to talk about, but industry wide, it's a great industry to be in. So uh, I think I can, I can, I can help out for what we're looking for here. Yeah. Don't worry. This, we, we have editors and producers, so it's all good. So um, to start with, just let's, let's go like really broad uh, as an industry. And and we've, we've talked obviously with you and, and other people, the in-homes care space of senior services, senior care, but there are some other things a little bit. So, uh, and probably three or four different categories. So kind of lay out like, just like, what are the different things out there that touch on kind of senior services? Yeah. So, you know, the, the in-home care option is really broken into two categories and you've got essentially medical and non-medical. Um, the, the non-medical folks are, are spending the majority of the time in, in the home with the client, providing a host of services, whether it's, you know, help with bathing and dressing or helping with nutrition and med reminders. You know, that's that's really what senior helpers and, and others like us do in the industry. The home health model is where they might be going in 
in and out of the home. They might be there for oxygen uh, treatment. They might be there for wound care. They might be doing some some sort of uh, procedural type work. And usually those those folks are uh, you know different insurance, different model for for what they do. But really, those are the two types of care, um, medical versus non-medical. And then, obviously, we all know there's facility care. If people can't live independently in their home, then they're going to go to a facility where they have round-the-clock care and services. And even the the senior residencies out there, some of them are just over 65 residences with, with just a lot of seniors within that building. And some have you know, nurses on staff and, and folks that can attend to them. Gotcha. Right. And then I know there's a, a couple of every now and then you'll see some things that will be a little more niche, right? Just like from a from a transport standpoint, which I know some some in-home care providers will do yeah. also. Um, and then there's some other things that just kind of like kind of touch on it. Um, you know, I know there's even some some things that will focus on, you know, like almost like home improvement type of things, but specific to 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 the senior model. But but really the the bulk of this is going to be that in-home care, right? So, um, and why it's so big, right? Talk a little bit about kind of the industry as a whole, some of those, like the, those stats, like, you know, is it is it a big industry? Is it growing? Is there is there really opportunity here? Talk about some of those things industry-wide from a senior standpoint. Yeah, from just a sheer number standpoint, Tim, I mean, the in 2020, the senior population of people over 65 in this country was about 56 million. Uh, then by 2030, all the baby boomer generations will be 65 or older. The growth from the larger families of yesteryear to them being seniors now is is incredible. Um, by 2030, it's going to be an additional 16.6 million on top of the 56 million. By 2040, it's going to be up to 80 million seniors in this country. That's a complete shift of our dynamic uh, of the population today and those folks are going to need services. I mean, with medical advancement and people living longer uh, to, to people just having more needs in home. And, you know, if COVID taught us anything about this particular industry is not a lot of seniors want to live out that life in, in, in a facility that's going to get locked down and keep them from being able to see their, their families for years. So, you know, whether it's telehealth or whether it's bringing in someone to care in that home, that's that's where nine out of 10 seniors, and I don't know where the other one that, that would disagree is, they want to be in the home uh, where they're most comfortable. <laughs> right. Um, well, and then you throw in the fact of, right, like, I, just we're not, we're, people, families aren't having as many children, right? We're yep. spread out more and more, yep. right? Um, yeah. and Average distance, 280 miles from family to, to senior, you know, in this country, and that's growing. Yeah, I'm so, well. Like I'm, I'm 2000, right? Um, right. And right. And so, and and you, you, you know, I am having conversations with one of your owners right now about <laughs> about about my mom and her husband and their stubbornness of need, needing the care. I'm yep. 2,000 miles away. They're sure as hell not moving in with me, right? Um, <laughs> nor did you, run, nor did you jump law. in the car to get over to them. No, no, there's a law. No one else is allowed to move into Arizona. So there's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing. So yep. it sucks my sister's right there, but that's what she gets. Um, but but it is, it's hard. Like you you you, you want to make sure like your, your, your family members, you know, parents, grandparents, whatever, um, but you know, not to be selfish, we're, we're busy. We got stuff, we got lives. We don't nest around like 
I mean, there are still people that do it, but there's not the compound of like four generations of a family all living on the same, you know, plot of 40 acres, right? So um, that really kind of, at not just the, the amount of seniors, but the distance we are apart from each other is really tough. Yeah, the economic times we're in with inflation, you know, not many single income households anymore. I mean, it's usually a double income situation and that's where mom or dad doesn't get what mom or dad used to maybe 30, 40 years ago. Right. Uh, so that's changed the dynamic too. People have to make a living. They've got to keep up with the costs, uh, but they also want what's best for mom and dad too. So that's where the, that's where the demand really comes in for having uh, a professional company that can come in and, and help supplement that and, and provide the best care and the appropriate care. A lot of times well-intended family try to jump in and help, but they might have the skills, training, or understanding, especially if the senior is dealing with a chronic condition or illness, they're, they don't have experience in that. So um, part of what, what we do at our company is we try to help train and educate the family as well as the services that we provide. But, you know, there's a, there's a gap there as well. Yeah. I just, I think it's, it, it's, we think of this sometimes from a, from our kids standpoint of, you know, like, well, hey, I might not be the best person to help my 10 year old with math homework. Right. Because right. um, there's going to be there's going to naturally be some friction or, you know, hey, back in my day when when I walked uphill in the snow both ways to school, this is how we did math. Right. And and, and so the same thing with that now all of a sudden trying to take care of our elderly parents. There's just there's naturally going to be those like it's family, there's, there's going to be the, that friction yeah. um, and just just not being educated enough on how to do it properly. So I love yeah. I love that point also. And there's dignity and independence for the senior as well. I mean, do you want to have to help your mom with some personal care needs that she's uh, that you've never had to before? And, right. you know, that's an awkward situation for family to be in, too. We, of course, we do anything we need to help. But, you know, let let the pros do uh, do the work there. Yeah. So obviously there's 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 other things within the senior care space outside of the in-home services, but the in-home is by far the most dominant piece of it, right? So I want to kind of focus on a couple of things within that business model uh, for this. So start with the owner, right? Because again, people listening to this are probably not going to be the caregivers. They're going to be the owners, right? So like, I think there's a the common myth in franchising that you need to have tons of industry experience and background you and and you're and you may end up in this case you may be the one in there taking care of grandma so talk right about kind of that industry standpoint does yeah. that matter how much are they in the home actually doing the work yeah that's that's a common misconception when people are first introduced to you know what senior care is and what we do and as a potential owner they're thinking, wow, I, I don't want to do that work. And well, that's not the work you're doing. You know, we we really focus on the individual, what their business acumen is, their leadership. You know, what what are these these traits and toolbox that they have maybe from prior careers and experience dealing with people, managing people, communicating with people, you know, being able to, you know, look at the business side as well as the personal side. Um, I will say that most owners that get into this have to have some kind of compassion for the cause of what we're doing, the seniors that are out there. I mean, you know, I've heard it described as a mission-driven for-profit business. Well, yeah, we're enriching and we're we're helping others, you know, in time of need. So that's a business you can really feel good about. 
the actual, you know, doing the service, that's that's where the caregiver comes in. So you don't have to have any prior medical experience uh, or clinical experience to get into, nor will you be required to go in and actually do the care services yourself as a typical owner of a home care agency. Now, I have known owners to take a shift here or there, and that's completely up to them whether they want to, you know, fill in where they needed to. But as a whole, that's not the model. The model is really to uh, build the support around the leader and have the leader lead. And that's what we look for in a, in a, um, a successful franchise owner. Yeah. And I think that the, the point about, are there, are there some owners, regardless of the franchise that, that do take a shift here or there? Uh, there's always, I don't care what franchise or what industry, um, yeah. you know, is there a McDonald's owner that likes to make French fries a little bit more than they should, right? <laughs> uh, there, there, there is, or, you know, a landscape franchise owner that's out there on the, on the lawnmower, like the franchise doesn't really want that. But again, you are the owner. You kind of like, if, sure. if you like that or you want to jump in, you, you can, but like, it's, it's rarely, I don't care what industry, it's rarely what the franchise is looking for. So yeah. what is the, I know there's a range with this. So this is a little bit of a loaded question, but yeah. what's maybe a typical day in a life for an owner? What does that look like? So it's very much a people business. Um, you know, you've got two sides. You've got your clientele and family, and then you've got your your workforce. So you've got folks that you have to manage, hire, recruit, uh, train, and, and retain. And then you've got clients that you got to uh, educate about what services we provide, do a, an overview assessment to figure out exactly what the care plan we're going to bring into the home looks like. Um, so an owner... And there's really two directions an owner can take this model. They can be more of an operations-centric owner where they're maybe not client-facing or, or community-facing. They might be behind the scenes, interviewing, hiring, recruiting, using all the training tools and resources and managing that workforce. Some owners are, you know, they might come from a marketing or sales background and experience. They might want to get out there and promote the business. Uh, a, a lot of referrals come from clinical spaces. So we've got to get out there and build relationships. So they're thinking of whatever company home care you're working for, that that's the company that they want to recommend. So you've really got to be able to get out there and promote and market. Some owners are very adaptive and comfortable in that situation. Others don't want to be that. So in this model, you've got really a tandem startup of an external internal need for, for, for running the business. The owner can take one or the other and hire a counterpart, or in our case, they can be kind of a utility player and play in a little bit of each of the of the ponds and hire more of a mini-me version that's kind of offsetting the workload. Um, you know, for our model, we run out of a storefront. We do have uh, office space with signage and visibility. So, you know, the the, the brand, um, you know, draws, draws in a lot of that type of business as well. And we use a lot of our space for training because caregiver training and specialization and really making sure that they know what they're doing going into the home is 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 really important because you really want to be able to give the um, the client-centered approach to care and you need to be able to be adaptive to whatever those needs are and there are a variety of things that go on with seniors that really cause them to need the type of care we provide it's not just normal aging you know it's it's a number of other things that factor in yeah. So, and, and I think the, when, when people think of that owner role, 
And, and for I think and, and not just uh, certainly you guys, but just in, in general, they're really this is a two two sided. There's the, you know, the, the forward facing and the upside. Right. And so as as you're somebody who's looking at this industry in particular, right, like if you're like you're talking to another franchise owner and they are super f forward facing and you're like, I, I, I don't like people. I'm not I'm not that person. I'm more I'm more ops. Yeah, you can always do that and hire somebody else, right? It's the exactly. um, and totally stealing this from our dear friend Dan Durney at Assisting Hands that he always says like like do what you do best and hire for the rest. And yep. um, and there's no way in the world Dan created that, so he stole it from somebody else. I just don't know where. So we'll totally we all call steal these lines. We all steal <laughs> these lines when we hear a good one. Um, yes, um, but it but it really is like when I think it kind of helps put people at ease a little bit of. Oh, what am I best at? Does it does it align here, right? And you talked about like one of the common characteristics or traits of an owner in this industry is, and you said it more eloquently than I'm going to. You have to give a damn about people, yeah, right. Um, and so you you do have to have that. Um, but I think I don't want to kind of roll this into staff, but you you have to give a damn about people, but you also have to be comfortable being around people. Are you the front-facing person out in the community talking to people, talking to families? Or are you in the office managing what's going to be a very big uh, kind of staff of caregivers? So that people quality, right, just just in general is, again, more way more than background industry-wise is hugely important for, for this industry, correct? Yeah, I would, I would certainly say if you don't like people, don't look at this industry. Because <laughs> whether you're providing... Uh, employment for people and, 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 you know, job creation, you've got to create a culture that you're going to retain those people that you hire. So you've got to have, you know, a likability factor that you're going to be there for them and train them and care for them and build your culture on the client facing side. I mean, you've got to be able to sincerely get across to that family or that client that you're going to provide the ultimate care that they would for their own loved ones. So you've got yeah. to have compassion and empathy from that perspective. Um, it, it is truly a, a people business uh, and, and on both sides. Hey everyone, I want to take a moment to spotlight an exciting offer from our partners at Reshift Media. Reshift Media's brand amplifier is an award-winning digital marketing platform designed to fit the specific needs of franchise organizations. The dashboard allows national and local teams to quickly and easily manage social content and digital advertising across dozens, hundreds, even thousands of locations. The brand amplifier will use automation and machine learning to help franchise systems save time and dramatically improve their digital marketing performance. When a campaign is activated, the brand amplifier automatically geo-targets advertising to potential customers around each store and will insert local information such as city, neighborhood, or pricing, which will increase both relevance and performance. Launching a campaign takes less than five minutes. It's just that easy. And franchise companies that use the brand amplifier routinely see a 500% or more increase in digital performance. That's amazing, folks, over 500% increase. And best of all, the brand amplifier team is currently offering a 50% off for a limited time. So be sure to visit brandamplifier.io to lock in that deal today and tell them Fran Coach sent you. Hey everyone, I wanted to take a quick break from our podcast to tell you about our amazing friends at Entrepreneur. If you're looking to become a franchisee or simply learn more about business ownership and 
Guys, let's be honest. You're listening to the Franchising 101 podcast, so we know you have some interest in this. And I really encourage you to go to entrepreneur.com to check out all of their great content and resources. Seriously, Entrepreneur has everything, all the way from a bookstore to the best podcasts, webinars, and videos, plus information on upcoming events and the latest articles that seriously, they cover all aspects of franchising and business ownership. If you're having trouble deciding which franchise is right for you, start with Entrepreneur's renowned Franchise 500 ranking, which highlights the best franchises of 2022. For 45 years and counting now, Entrepreneur has been and continues to be the most widely recognized and respected authority in the franchise market. Digital and print subscriptions are available so you never miss out on anything. So seriously, what are you waiting for? Go to entrepreneur.com right now and learn more. We had asked this a lot or it comes up a lot and you may hear it too, but we probably get it earlier and, and then before we ever get our clients to franchises, it's like, oh my gosh, what's the, what's the best franchise? What's the top franchise? What's the hottest franchise or industry? There really isn't one people and here, and this is a great reason why. And I use, I use this industry as an example with people, right? Like we've had uh, with our team, uh, whether it's senior helpers or other brands, Oh my gosh, probably close to 30 of our clients are now owners in in that industry. And I can sit here and I can look at it and go, it's, you know, no pun intended, it's booming, right? All the amazing yeah. things that are that are going on, right? So somebody's like, well, geez, Tim, you've seen all of this, these successes. Why don't you own one? I don't like people, right? Like I I, I don't, oh, I don't like people. The desert, Tim. Uh, I don't like people. They don't like me. Old people make me sad because I'm getting old. I don't want a big staff. Like there is nothing about this business model that is for me, right? So that doesn't mean it's it's bad or I shouldn't own a franchise, though I probably shouldn't, right? But it's the it's it's really it's it's all about that that fit, right? And so I think one of the biggest and and correct me if I'm wrong is what you hear like kind of quote, concerns or like worries about this industry is the staff component of this is maybe maybe the only industry, the in-home care, where you will have more people on the payroll than you will have clients, right? Yep. So yep. talk about, um, we mentioned, you know, one person is out, one person is in. So, you know, you've got kind of that, like, you know, kind of two full-time people, owner plus one, but then we have the caregivers. So talk to us a little bit about what that kind of staff looks like and, and just, you know, how in the heck do we find these people that want to want to do this work? Yeah. And that's where I think certainly going with the franchise system is going to be completely beneficial because they've got recruiting uh, programs and systems in place that are going to help with that. And we've got partners that work specifically looking for people in this industry um, you know, our company's been a great place to work certified for a number of years, and we really have built out a, uh, a, a arsenal of programs to really dedicate and build up that workforce. You've, you know, you're, you're typically dealing with, you know, a, someone who, you know, lower socioeconomics, they're, they're not getting rich off of being a caregiver. They've got that special caregiver gene. I mean, we hire a lot of CNAs. They say it's not the CNA, it's what's the DNA of the CNA that you're looking for. So you can't just put warm bodies out there because you're never going to get a delivery of, of the, the level of care that you expect. So I think you've got to have a strong knockout process when you're doing your recruiting. 
you know, what are the what are the right traits we're looking for? What are questions in the interview process we're going to ask? You know, aside from background screens and, and and the basics, but really getting to know that candidate and then taking care of that caregiver as almost like a client of yours as the owner, because you've got to cultivate and build that workforce. And yeah, the demands of recruiting out there in any industry, everyone's going to say, wow, I've got to hire a ton of people. There are people out there, uh, if you do it right, that you will continue to grow and hire. Um, there, There's, you know, you know, I know through COVID, a lot of folks were sitting on their couch collecting checks and, and that affected the workforce a little bit. But now, you know, people need to make a living and there are special people out there that are really uh, suited for being caregivers. It doesn't just have to be, you know, the the 33-year-old that, that that you hire. It can be someone who's semi-retired. You've got clinical folks going through nursing school that make excellent caregivers. You've got, you know, stay-at-home parent that kids are in school. They can, you know, maybe pick up some shift time while that, while that school uh, day is going on. So you've got to think outside of the box, but you've got to have a pretty tight system for what you're looking for too. Um, yeah. I think quality of, of individual and, you know, because you make the mistake of hiring the wrong person, they, you know, they don't work out. Fortunately, we have a lot of checks and balances, inspect what we expect of that workforce. So we we really try to minimize, um, you know, having those mistakes made on the front end that otherwise, you know, if we hadn't paid attention, we, we could have, you know, missed off. Right. Well, and it's one of the, I don't know, roughly 1 million reasons why the franchise model is significantly more successful than starting it up. Right. It's like the I, I if I'm going to start a senior care business on my own, I, I am very limited to what I know and what I can do, because that's all the more I can train. And even then, it's not a oh. like it's it's not a well thought out training program. Right. Or yeah. how to hire. You mentioned even like how to, like what questions do you ask a caregiver as, as a, in an interview? Right. Well, the franchise model. Right. Yeah. Like um, maybe there is a franchise out there somewhere that's going to tell you good luck. But they're but we know there's not right They're They're going to have those level of support of even this is where you find them. This is what you ask. This is how and again, how you train them. You mentioned the importance of having an office um, and, and that franchise model in this space. Yes, somebody may walk in, but really the people who are going to walk in are going to be your caregivers, right? From interviewing, training them like you don't want to be doing that at your kitchen table, right? That, no. And that's you know, one of the things sometimes you'll get pushback on is why do I need an office? Well, there's so many reasons you need to have a, a professional presence. Um, yeah, for the caregivers, you're going to hire a lot of them. Uh, and, and with a franchise training and operational support are really key to the level of service, you know, being being at a high level. So that office plays into that. For, for senior helpers, we have a training center set up in every office so we can do hands-on skill training. Uh, but that's really important. If you just start out of your, your kitchen and, you know, you've got caregivers lined up out the front door, do you really want that <laughs> or where you're going to be recruiting and people showing up and, and a lot of dynamic going on there. Uh, we also meet a lot with family members too, because when I talked earlier about, you know, training family, sometimes they might be embarrassed to, to let mom or know, I really don't know how to use that gate built or Hoyer lift. Well, We'll take you into senior helpers and, and help you with that as well. Um, and we meet a lot of folks around the community. So, you know, the signage and visibility 
uh, plays into it. And in proximity, usually we put our offices around those medical areas that people right. are driving past anyhow and, yeah. and and have a lot, you know, 350 plus locations, you really start to get a lot of what works, what doesn't work. So, you know, having the right location is certainly critical. Yeah. And I, I think the, the the labor piece for probably this industry tends to freak people out. And I think either you're going to wrap your head around the fact you're going to have a big staff and really being able to like, it's easy to see having an impact in the families, right, of your clients, but you're going to have an impact with, with your, with your staff too, right? You may have somebody that, you know, was working at Starbucks and they're tired of working, like, you know, make it, making a latte. I want to make a difference. Well, this gives, gives them that opportunity. Right. And so, but it goes back to the, the people thing and it's my, my labor soapbox, right? Oh, labor issues, labor issues. There's leadership issues, right? And if you're not a people person and want the opportunity, you see this as a not a not challenging, but a challenge to build this type of culture and team. Um, and I always say, like, if if you're in year two of a business, I don't care what business it is, if your best source of employees doesn't come from your existing ones referring. Take, take a look in the mirror, right? Uh, if you've got tons no of turnover, take a look in the mirror. I guarantee you it is not the labor force. It is not them. Yeah, It is it is you. So again, really sort of drives home that that point you made about this is a people business, right? Uh, from from that and internally and externally. So um, tell us a little bit about this is, I think an, this happens a lot in industries and and uh, probably you and I both get, can get on a soapbox about this, but like, Oh my gosh, Rob, there's so much competition out there, right? So, um, yeah. in, in fact, I you, you gave me the authentic response to that because I always tell, tell clients, I'm like, well, we'll talk about that. I'm like, ask them the question. I don't care what franchise. I promise you they won't do it out loud, but they are laughing in their head or rolling their eyes at you because it seems like there's a lot of competition, yeah. but is there really? Yeah, there's, you know, that's always an, uh, I, I do it every time because you do get that come up quite often. Um, you know, if you, if you just want to look at sheer, you know, competition and you look on Google home care companies, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, there's no way. Well, the way our industry works is it takes a relatively low client count to start building up a substantial revenue, uh, typically less than 30 clients and you're tracking well over a million in revenue. And there's a lot of seniors out there, as we've already established with this population growth thing going on. So it doesn't take as many clients as you may think to build a successful model. And there's room for everybody. Um, you know, I've got some, you know, I call them my frenemies. I've got I've got friends in the industry of other brands that do do a, a, a good job and, and great work as well. But, you know, it, it, it really is so spread out as far as a very fractional um, competitive landscape. It's unlike almost any other industry you're going to really be looking at uh, with looking at the, the supply of seniors that you're dealing with, looking at what the options are out there. Providing in-home care is the more affordable solution for many families. So the unit economics set up you know, for that as well. Um, but competition is really looking yourself in the mirror and do you have the leadership and the right company behind you that has systems in place to go get what's yours and what's out there and to grow your business. Um, and there's plenty of room. There's a long runway. You know, most brands have some sort of territory size and number of seniors. And, 
you'll never hit more than a 1% market share ever in this industry. If you did, you know, in a single territory, you're usually uber successful. I don't know how large other territories are, but um, that, and that's one of the, you know, things you educate potential owners on when they're learning about the business, you'll get that question uh, comes up. It's, it's crazy. And I think this may be more than any other industry, like how small of a piece of the pie. I mean, it is literally a fraction of 1%. And, and I think across the board with all the different home care yeah. service franchises that we work with, a territory at a bare minimum is going to have 20,000 seniors in it, right? And usually more. And, you know, yeah. like if I go really high and say, oh my gosh, you're going to need 50 clients to get to a million dollars in revenue, you're like, 50 out of 20,000, like you yeah. got to really kind of stop and go, come on now, like you can fall out of bed and get some, right? And even yeah. then, there, even if it was 1%, right, that you needed to get to build, to, to reach your goals financially, there could be 99 other businesses all getting 1%. And we know a, a good part of any industry is fragmented mom and pop where it's like, yeah. you know, Tim's home care. Well, I, I got five clients because it's just it's it's me and, you know, somebody somebody else out there doing it yeah. where like franchises, I think in general, look at the non franchises almost like from an arrogant standpoint of like, whatever, like that's 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 not even competition from a from from any level of of, of looking at at a business. And the other franchises that are doing this, like like they're they are all smart enough to know like we need just a teeny tiny little piece of the pie, yeah. right? Um, so it, it it it's under it's understandable to ask the question and look at it and and want to understand the demographics, but just across the board, especially especially in this industry, it's just yeah, your, I mean, your reaction was perfect because you laughed, right? And that's kind of you don't want to make light of it, but it's just not a thing. Yeah, it's not. And it's not uncommon to have owners from different brands in the same market have lunch together quarterly or, or they know one another. Yep. Um, so it's just it's a frenemy thing. It's not a, not a true enemy, you know, and there is a diversity of providers out there aside from franchises. You've got larger national chains and regional agencies and independent caregivers that are just kind of 1099 and the, the that's where the industry can get scary because they're really unregulated and they're not really screened properly. And you really have to vet the individual for that. So those are all in the mix as well as, as, as well as franchises that are out there. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a good point because when you think most cases in franchising, like if you're an owner and you're going to get caught up in, Oh, I lost this client because they went with, you know, their neighbor down the street because it was cheaper. Like, uh, okay, like don't we're not racing. Like that's the whole point of this is the quality. Well, your neighbor down the street might know how to do one or two things, but what about when things start to get worse? What all, all of a sudden, you know, like Alzheimer's starts to 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 kind of take yeah. over or or what? Like it's just it's not that the the horror stories are rarely the franchise. It's you know it's you know what well, it's it's Sally down the street or I swear to God my my mom and her husband are going to use somebody they know from the Moose Lodge like yeah it, right like and that's how's that I'm... how's that going to work like this is where you and I will be having a conversation about that like separately at some at some point and it's it's okay but it's kind of like as my ten year old would say when it doesn't go well that's what you get right yeah. like and, and it's just it's really you got to have that kind of quality component of like 
all of the things that are doing to vet, to hire, to train, to support, to manage those caregivers, and even the communication back and forth. The senior helpers, you guys have a great tech platform and assessments that are done. And that's like fairly common or some sort of that in the franchise world to just really differentiate yourself from, you know, the lady from the Moose Lodge, right? So yeah. um, huge, huge differences with that. Yeah, because care is individual. I mean, you've got to take a true client-centered approach is looking at that individual, their environment, their needs, their health situation. Everyone's different that you're dealing with out there. So you better have a pretty broad playbook in your arsenal of, of capability that you're going to be drawing from. And that's where I think the franchise systems, at least the good ones out there, have multiple categories of training programs that right. you know focus on various chronic conditions. I mean, you've got Alzheimer's, dementia, you've got Parkinson's, you've got COPD, you've got people with diabetes, you have stroke victims, heart issues. You have so many, such a diversity of, of clients with differing needs. You, you've got to really have an organization behind you that you can draw all of that resource from. And that comes in training and, and providing the best quality care for the individual. That's what that's what clients want. They want them, they they don't want a cookie cutter approach. Right. They want personalization. And yep. that's that I think the companies that are doing it right at there get that and focus on that. I mean that's yep. that's how we do our evaluations. We have a life profile tool that we look at five different categories of a sheet of different things and we actually have a, a algorithm built into a software that scores and ranks how how safe that senior is in their current situation and how we're going to draw and mitigate that into a more positive um, outcome with, with the services that we provide. Yeah. The uh, everyone's, everyone's favorite topic is themselves. Right. And so if you can personalize this for, for those clients versus that cookie cutter thing. Right. So, um, okay. So last thing, I know you're, you're busy. So hopefully this is kind of helping people get an overview of, the industry in general, right? Certainly yep. a little more focused on the on the on the in home care. It's just it's the biggest section, and and yes, there's some, some co super cool things that are facilities, including you guys have a sister brand, Town Town Square. That's awesome. Um, those are investments that usually have two commas in them, right? Eliminates yep. most of us. The the in home usually kind of sub two hundred thousand, all 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 in, getting you up and running, significantly more attainable for people. So you can hear all of the things, the positives, the growth. If you're a people person, right? If you actually yep. care about individuals and want to make a difference in the community, this could be fantastic. But minds go to the negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. What's the catch? Rob, in this industry, what what would make somebody fail as an owner? Wow, that's a that's that's a question we could probably spend three three podcasts on if we really <laughs> if we really dove in. But I think to simple it down, um, simplify it, uh, I would say if you if you're going with a franchise and they have an item 7 and it's got a low range and a high range you better plan for being in that range on either end when you're starting a business um undercapitalization um if you're buying into a franchise you're usually buying into a system and a program and a proven model follow the model i've seen franchise franchisees come in and a lot of great ideas come from the franchisees don't get me wrong but those that are always trying to either save a buck or cut a corner and and come up with you know a new way 
there's a reason that franchises build to the size that we have and others have. It's because you're doing a lot of things right and you've got a program in place and a playbook that's pretty well laid out. So stay on the playbook. Um, <laughs> it's not to say you're not the boss and owner and captain of that ship and that leader that you are. You can be all of that. You're in business for yourself, not by yourself. You need to really, I think, rely on the franchise that you commit to, that they really have the expertise, uh, you know, that they're going to support you and that their model works. If you right. don't have that confidence, don't buy that franchise. Um, right. So have the funds to, to invest for what they recommend. Follow the program that they're going to lay out. If you stick to those, you've got a very high, you know, success rate. Some, you know, it's like a race car. Any driver can drive a race car. Some can drive the wheels off of it and win any race. Others might be slower or faster just on how they use the tool that, that they're given. Um, but if you consistently stay in this industry and you build, it's a recurring revenue model. So you're built, you have to do all the things, you know, that, that make up the model, but you're going to build a business that's sustainable and grows. Uh, you know, our curve for, for year over year growth is always an upward uh, trend. And, you know, that's just through consistency and, and, and demand and building onto your business year over year. Follow the plan, right? Yeah. It's really franchise owner it is really that. So put forth the effort, which is also part of the plan. Well, that's don't, too, and, don't, and, don't be don't, cheap, right? Like don't, yeah. don't cheap out on marketing. Don't cheap out on staff um, yeah. and just Follow the damn plan, people. The trick is, again, we talked about this like kind of like half joke about me. I would be a terrible owner in this industry, right? And that doesn't mean it's a bad industry or a bad franchise in that industry. It's not the right match. When you yeah. find the match, just do what the heck you're, is, is laid out in that plan. It's really that simple. Yeah. And there needs to be a mindset, mind shift when you're getting into business for the first time. If you've been a corporate refugee for 20 years and you've been working for a company and getting that paycheck, you're not buying a job when you get a franchise. You need to draw on all those skills that maybe you've learned in your professional career, but you have to really take it upon yourself to be the leader of that franchise at your location and you need to treat it accordingly. You're going to get all the resources and support and training around you, but you've got to be the one driving that that uh, that playbook. And, you know, that's where sometimes that, you know, you, you, you see some folks get into, well, if I buy a franchise, it's, it's success in a box. Well, yeah, it's got all the components to be successful, but you've still got to implement. Now, fortunately, you know, in our franchise, we layer support around every aspect of the business that you can rely on, but we rely on you to run the business and get out there and get after it. Um, yep. You know, the top performing owners are not waiting, you know, for a, a lead to come in from a marketing drip campaign. They're going out and getting after it. They're getting in their community. They're getting well known. You know, they're building a culture amongst their workforce that people want to work for. And they're successful. You know, a lot of it comes with your attitude as an owner and how you want your business to go, because that follows really what your attitude is, how you really perceive the business. Yep. Yeah, no, the, the X factor is you as the franchise owner. It's, it's, but I don't care what franchise and what industry, why will somebody fail? It's going to be like, <laughs> you didn't, didn't put forth the effort. You didn't, you didn't follow the plan. And you said something and I, and I can't remember who said this on, on one of our podcasts at some point, one of the franchise partners was how they talked about positivity, 
right? Yeah. And because it's like, it's something goes wrong, like, oh, it's the franchise or oh, I shouldn't, like, what is your outlook on this, right? Like, guess what? Yeah. Somebody doesn't want to be a, your client. Somebody's going to start being your client and they're not. Caregiver is going to quit, right? Or not work. It, bad stuff is going to happen, but you wanted the control of running the dang business. Um, what's what's your outlook and your attitude on that? It makes makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, you need to be a, more of a solution mindset than you know a problem mindset. And right. if, if you're always looking for a solution, any problem can be overcome. Uh, it's just in, in how you look at it. Uh, two other things on franchisees and just you know years of being in the industry. Um, if you're getting into this, if if you have a spouse or significant other, I would highly recommend that you consult or educate your spouse along the way of your due diligence with the franchise. How many times, Tim, have we had you know folks that we talk to that they don't share what's going on with their spouse, and at the at the time when they're all excited and ready to sign, the spouse is not on board. You know, one of the reasons franchises in general fail is, is divorce. <laughs> so uh, make sure that both whomever are, are on board with the idea and will be able to provide, not that they're going to be involved in the business. Some spouses work together. Great. I wouldn't work with my spouse. She's a nurse. I, would, I wouldn't be able to do her job for sure. But making sure at least from a supportive standpoint that they're on board with what you're doing. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, and other factors, you know, franchising, people have life events and crisis and things that happen that just are out of our control. You know, those are things we can't control. Everything else, I think we can control and get in front of, uh, especially when you're making a major decision to get off that corporate refugee couch and get out there right. and, you know, get a business and something you own and, and really the sky's the limit that you can build and, you know, all your dreams of, of, uh, whatever you're looking for can be fulfilled if you do it right. Yep. No. And, and great point on the spouse, you know, significant other, whatever, like it, it is so different than the corporate world, right? You're not going to show up at a job interview and and, yeah. and go, Hey, do you mind if my wife sits? Yeah. In? My wife's like, going to sit in and see. Yeah. It's, it's, a it's little better, different. better than bringing yeah. your mom, but it's not going to go well. Right. But with this yeah. process, whether it's us or franchises, like I've never ran across a franchise that wasn't completely welcome of that, that, that person being involved in every part of, even if they're never going to be involved in the yeah. business, it's still a family business. So the more, yeah. the more, the merrier they bring them along because it's, it's really, there's so much information that you're going to get from even one call with a franchise. And now it's like, well, geez, Rob told me all this great stuff about senior helpers. Now I got to go tell Danielle and there's no way I'm going to relay it the same way. Yeah. She's going to ask me a question. I'm going to go, yeah. So, no. Well, that's going to seem shady. It's just get that. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up, man. Just get, get them involved with, with all of us sooner or sooner than, than later. So. Yeah. How many times have, have we been on calls and I'll, I usually do them by, by zoom or webinar and, and I'll have my presentation deck and they're like, can you send me that deck? And I'm like thinking, okay, it's not just for your notes. I don't want that individual trying to, to rehash everything that I've talked about. So get your spouse to join on the call or at least know who you're talking to or who you're dealing with. Cause yeah. you know, we consider the senior helpers family, just that our relationship with our franchisees, we care as much about their success as they do their success. And, you know, we, we put a lot of resources and, and our people care. So we want to know, you know, that your, your home life is, is settled yeah. with the fact that you're on, you know, you're on the team with, with senior helpers. 
Yeah, this isn't your mistress. Share it with your right. share it with your partner. <laughs> I didn't say that, Tim, but that's funny. That's hilarious. Uh, so, um, Rob, as always, my friend, thanks for coming on and talking to us today just about all the amazing things within the senior service space. So I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm going to be heading out your way for IFA coming up, and I uh, hope I can catch up with you out there, Tim. Awesome. I look look forward to it. Um, and thanks, everybody, as always, all of our loyal listeners for, for, for joining in today. If you hear something about this industry that resonates with you, please reach out. Uh, FranCoach.net, Franchising101podcast.net. Again, basketball guy here, we're nothing but net. Uh, reach out to us. Um, there's never any fee for our call. Let's chat and see if we can help you create your better tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk with you next week.